What's going on, friend? Thanks for tuning in to the WorkFaith Podcast. At WorkFaith, we provide faith-based training and coaching for anyone who desires long-term employment. For marketplace leaders looking to grow in thought leadership, this podcast is for you. Our goal of this podcast is to equip you with ideas, leadership skills, and values to help you find true fulfillment in the intersection of work and faith. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Anthony Flynn, and I'm your host. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Anthony Flynn, and I'm your host today for the Work Faith Podcast. And so I'm incredibly excited to have a very, very, very special guest with me today uh, by the name of Heather Broder. And Heather and I are going to be having a conversation about this topic of work and purpose. All right. And so I had the privilege of meeting Heather. It's probably been five or six months now. I think I can't remember the exact time frame we met, but let me tell you, you all, she was just absolutely electrifying. I knew from the moment we talked that we were going to hit it off as friends and that I wanted to stay connected to her. So she is a woman who lives on purpose, who walks on purpose, married, beautiful family, beautiful children, uh, but also a career woman who has really made the most of leveraging the talents, the skills, and the gifts and abilities that God has given her. And so uh, we specifically wanted Heather uh, to be our very first guest ever to talk about this concept uh, of work and purpose. And so, Heather, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm super excited about this interview with you. Oh, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And so, Heather, I don't want to steal your thunder by reading a bio or anything like that. I thought it not robbery to have you actually give the audience a little bit of context of who you are, your story, your background, and everything. And I'll let that lead into our actual interview time. Sure, sure. So I I have such a, an odd career, and so it is kind of fun to unpack this, and I'll try to do it briefly, but I grew up in Houston, Texas. I was a middle kid, and I grew up wanting to be a nurse because I love people, and I wanted to help people, and that just made sense to me because my grandmother was a nurse. But when I got to Baylor, I ended up signing up for engineering classes because of some conversations that happened at that um, freshman orientation and ended up getting my mechanical engineering degree almost against my will. I just felt like it was something that God was leading me to do. And I trusted that he had a plan there. Um, I enjoyed the classes, but I didn't really see myself doing engineering work because I didn't really know even what engineering projects were like. But I found a job um, with an organization called Mustang and just really fell in love with project work because you've got all these people from all these different organizations cultures, and backgrounds, and they're working together on these mammoth tasks. And so I on offshore capital projects for about seven years, got to travel a lot, just really enjoyed that work and really saw that being the kind of engineer that wants to connect people and talk with people was really valuable to my organization. But I had married my high school sweetheart. We'd been married seven years. And my husband was like, hey, it's probably time to have kiddos. And I was like, oh, man, this is an overwhelming um, decision. This is like an overwhelming milestone to get to because all growing up, I thought you either had a job or you had children. I thought those were the options available to you. And I really loved my job. And I knew that I couldn't do the kind of work that I was doing um, and, and still be at home to up a cute baby. It was just not going to work with the travel. And so I was just overwhelmed at that point. 
So I had my son and went on a long maternity leave and my boss kept calling to check on me. <laughs> a great caregiver and a great caretaker. And he was like, hey, what do you really want to do? And I said, well, honestly, I don't even know if this is an option, but I'd love to work part-time. And so some amazing doors and my company was very supportive. And so for the next five plus years, I really worked part-time on all kinds of different things. And that gave me an exposure to just different aspects of our business. It showed me, you know, the commercial side of things, proposals, marketing, strategic events, some um, acquisition work and due diligence, and just a lot of things that I didn't see when I was on the project side of things. So as my kids got older and they got into a more regular rhythm I came back to work as a direct employee, and I actually worked on um, efforts to provide processes and tools to first engineers and then to project managers. So in that, I got exposure to a lot of communication and change leadership and um, ways to provide and drive consistency and predictability and project execution. And so that was really awesome. And then... God really rocked my world because um, a boss and a friend that I had worked with for years and years came to me one day and said, hey, I'm going to go work at this other organization with this guy I got my MBA with. And I honestly thought, you are ruining my life. <laughs> we have this great team. We have this great job. We're, we're doing all these great things. What, why is this happening? Um, but to make a long story short, a year and a half later, I followed him to that same organization mm. now. And I love it. It's a small company, um, innovative, fast growing. And I came over here to serve in all of the people groups. So looking after our communications, our admin team, our HR talent management, just those types of functions. So have a really incredible opportunity to serve and lead um, the people who take care of the people at Refine Technologies. Thank you so much for that. Great summary and synopsis. And man, you have a, a very unique background and a unique path to get to where you are. And 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 please, I'm going to make a statement. I promise you it's meant as a compliment. So please don't take offense to it. By wiring, and you and I talked about this, by wiring, I think I wouldn't normally think that you would be, you would have an engineering background because of, because of how you're wired. So I think it's a very powerful combination that you're so people oriented. Uh, and I hope, again, my statement isn't offensive. It really is meant as a compliment. And, and by the way, let me tell you what my statement is based in. Uh, it's based in research. So the DISC profile, uh, and I, I study the temperaments and personality traits and all of that stuff. And so over a hundred years of research uh, that, Essentially, out of that research comes ideal prototypes for jobs, et cetera, for certain people and how they're wired. And so because you and I talked about how you're wired, it's a powerful thought to know that you took an engineering path, even though God designed and built you and wired you the way God built you. So what was that process like for you, Heather, really? Uh, you, and because you said like, hey, I thought I was going to be be a nurse, <laughs> then I ended up taking an engineering path. So I find that very intriguing. Can you talk a little bit more about that portion of your life? Yes, it was really, to be honest, a little bit lonely in my engineering classes because I felt really uncomfortable. Like I just felt like a really different person. And I felt almost like um, a poser, like, mm. hey, you're, you're trying to be something that you're not. And I loved the classes and I loved the group work, but I also felt 
a little bit like unsure of how this was going to play out. Mm. So didn't have my, my faith driving me. I may not have stuck with it because it did feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I trusted that God was telling me very clearly to stick with these classes. And I was, um, experiencing success in those classes. And so I was just trusting that there was something ahead that I couldn't see. So I would say it was an uncomfortable path um, and the classes were were challenging. Um, but I also would see friends in different majors and think, wow, that sounds really exciting. That sounds really fun. I mean, it, it, there was a lot of questioning and self-doubt of, am I doing the right things? But my faith just made it really clear to me that I had heard from God, that this was the path that I was on. And, and it was also a little bit of a, we don't always get to see the reason why in the moment, but that's part of the trust. That's the big faith play. And so it was, hey, God, I believe that you're calling me to these classes right now and that you're going to reveal what that's going to lead to later. So, okay, so I'm going to pry a little bit more on that because there are a number of people who, in their mind, they have an ideology or a philosophy or a framework for the path they should take, the journey they should take, and or other people have, you know, maybe from birth, given them instructions on the direction they should go with their life and their career. Somehow, and I don't mean this, uh, I was going to say you stumbled into this, but not literally, right? Like, essentially, it became purposeful for you as you fell into this opportunity. So somebody saw the gifting and the talent that you displayed and from that was a call to action, if you will, for your life and your career. Uh, what was that like processing at that point in your life earlier on, right? You were a young student. You know, what was that like? Because so many people are wrestling with, man, am I, am I doing what I'm called to do? Am I living life on purpose? So talk a little bit about why you were willing to trust, if you will, the insight and the forethought of someone else versus the quote-unquote path that you thought and the trajectory you thought you were heading down? I will say that early on, starting to walk with the Lord, just one theme that God continues to reveal to me, and I'm continuing to learn this, is that we are growing the most when we are in the deep end of the water. And so I felt like from the very beginning, God has been always calling me out to deeper and deeper waters. And that's been so scary for me in so many ways. But even with um, an opportunity I had to be an intern with Young Life, I didn't want to fundraise to cover my salary. That sounded horrible. I didn't want to, um, you know, put myself out there as the person up front who was, you know, leading and speaking from the front about things. So that was another instance where God was just really just pushing me into something incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but I was very clear that he was wanting me to trust him. And if I stayed comfortable, I really wasn't trusting him. If I stayed in what was predictable and known and familiar, then I really never know if I believed God and I believed his promises. And so the only way to test those was to just put myself completely on them. And so I think it was just a desire to to abandon myself like in a scary way, but say, okay, God, I am going to trust that this bungee is going to catch me over and over and, and 
putting myself as um, an engineering student when I wasn't sure where that was going, that was a really long bungee that took a really long time to catch. So, okay, so you took me somewhere com- that I was completely not preparing to go, but <laughs> uh, but we in our pre-session, I knew that would happen with you. So all good, and, and it's again, I'm super excited about it. So you hit you hit a nerve, Heather, because I heard you say, "Man, I was willing to really abandon myself and essentially thrust myself into the arms of God, if you will, and just take this leap, this." This bungee, this extended bungee cord, right, if you will, and just let God do what God wanted to do with your life. What do you say? How do you encourage people who don't have the level of faith that you had that early, Heather, in your journey, right? Because like you, I believe firmly that a huge part of the discovery, the unfolding, the unraveling of our faith and our purpose uh, and that combination, right, comes with just throwing ourselves into the arms of God and allowing God to do with our lives what God wants to do. And because of how I grew up, I essentially had to live that way. I, you know, if I wanted out of the conditions in the world I was in, I had to literally go blind, right? Because there was no schematic, there was no blueprint in my life to show me how to get here. So every step in my journey has been a pioneering step for lack of a better term. Uh, but obviously people have come into my life and made a difference. You, I mean, it, it, if I hear you correctly, it was somewhat a, a radical move. You were competent, you were qualified and capable of making the move, but it was an unplanned move. So you literally had to lean on your feet. What do you say to people, Heather, who they don't feel as comfortable leaning into their faith with that level of intensity? Mm. Well, I think we all know instinctively, if we're really honest with ourselves, whether we have a great faith or not, we know instinctively that we're limited and that we only know what we know and that we're like confined in time and with our own resources. Like, you know that, like, this is all I have and it's finite. And so if you are aiming for something bigger and something beyond and something greater, then it has to come from outside of you. It's not going to come from inside of you because you're defined and you know what you got. And so I, I, I think about if we dream the dreams that we can come up with, they're smaller than the dreams that God can give us and that God can unfold. So if you Like I think about this one particular Old Testament story when the Israelites were like, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. God was like, okay, I'm giving you a king. I'll give you a king. Turned out to be Saul and things got a little crazy (laughs) and they got, they got what they asked for. And that scared the living daylights out of me Mm. because I don't want to ask God for something I think is so right for me. And it's going to be the best thing ever because what if I'm asking for a crazy king? And so that story, Mm. I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time. I wasn't like having this thriving relationship. I just remembered that story that has stuck with me that I can beg and demand God for things that are lesser and smaller. But if I open myself up to what he is authoring and doing in the grand scheme of eternity, which we know inside of us, there's something much bigger than us. It just opens the door to something that I really excited about because it's, it's not from me. 
Okay, so now you triggered two more questions uh, that again are completely off off script from what I had planned <laughs> to ask. Um, so, for, well, actually, I will ask you to elaborate on this question. So, talk a little bit about how you find purpose in the work you do on a daily basis, and then I'll ask another question that was triggered by you. So, can you talk a little bit about that? For sure, I think purpose is a is a really awesome topic, and it's something that you've got to get thoughtful and reflective about. And some of us are like busy, go, go, go. And it's harder to like think through purpose, but I have had some time to reflect. And I think my like personal purpose is to be an encourager, to be a motivator and to be somebody who speaks the truth, to be somebody who is a communicator of truth. And so, um, as a leader in my organization, I do have the opportunity to do those things in my daily work. And I've got the opportunity to cheer people on. I've got the opportunity to put um, our, you know, our, our driving goals in front of people. Um, and then I think telling the truth looks like a lot of different things. It can be really hard. Sometimes I wish that weren't my my purpose because um, it can be easier to not tell the truth or to hold back. Sometimes that can be you know feedback or challenging people. But I I do think examining your purpose is a pretty powerful thing um, in driving fulfillment at work. Mm. So why do you think, and this would clearly be your opinion, uh, you know, just so for our audience, why do you think, your opinion, people don't lean into understanding, clarifying purpose more you know there are and I I use the term zombies there are a lot of people who are you know getting up every day quote unquote going through the motions and and living lives as zombies if you will and and so as a result they they don't see the value of work and the opportunity to make to to exhibit the purpose behind work Heather you figured out how to do that and you've done that well. And I and and when me and a colleague of ours, we had an opportunity to visit your, you and your team at your office. I man, we saw how you exuded purpose. Like everything you're doing, even in the type of business you're in, right? Which is a unique business, but you figured out a way to bring purpose to life. So many people. That is not the case for them. So can you give them some encouragement? Like, well, first of all, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hitting you with two questions. One, why don't people live purposefully when they get up every day? Again, I, I know it's your opinion, but I'd love to hear your opinion. Yeah, I think it could be a lot of different things. I mean, I think one could be fear. You know, mm-hmm. if I think deeply about this, am I setting myself up for disappointment? What if I don't like my purpose or I'm not living into it or you know, some, some level of like just self-doubt. I think that could be part of not exploring that question is just fear. And then I think another could just be um, apathy, you know, almost like, Hey, I'm, I'm undone with the frustrations and disappointments of the world. And so I'm, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to get it done. And I'm going to go on with my regular life instead of recognizing how important our work life is because we spend so much time there. So maybe some people viewing work like, compartmentalizing that and saying, I got to check that box and get those things done so I can have my real life. I think that can be part of it. Um, It's really 
you know, when, when folks don't have an opportunity to, to like experience their purpose in work, it's really just a tremendous loss because made work to be good. And there was work before the fall. And so work is an awesome opportunity to worship God. It's an awesome opportunity to use our gifts. I mean, work can be thrilling. Um, so I think that looking for your purpose in work really transforms your experience at work. Okay. But let me play, um, as the saying goes, devil's advocate with you a little bit here. So, so, so imagine I'm a person who, you know, who has had a bad experience in my current work situation. But, you know, for, for one reason or another, I don't feel like I can leave. You know, I feel bound. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. I'm burned out. Uh, I'm having challenges with my, my boss or my team leader or my supervisor. And, and I'm just, I'm in a rough place in life. And I'm just really having a hard time seeing the purpose in all of this. Uh, and finding fulfillment in this. Any words of advice for that person who is in that role? Because, you know, again, Heather, again, from the moment I met you and our team and our colleagues met you, you, you're more, you're assertive, right? You're going to go and get (laughs) what is important to you. Not everyone has that level of will and instinct and drive uh, to go after what's important to them. What do you say to that person? Yeah, I would ask them when you show up at work in the morning, what are the first things that you want to do? You know, what are you prioritizing? So something in you is gravitating towards something over something else. So you 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 have already some sense of things that you prefer to do. And what is it about those things that you prefer to do? And could you do more of those things? They're probably pointing to your strengths. They're probably pointing to things that energize you. Um, who are you gravitating towards at work and why? And so I would I would encourage them to look at the parts of work that are more appealing to them and try to make more of that. And I'd also ask them, like, what about your work is draining you? What is it that at work is just, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I just don't want to do that. And is there a way to talk with your supervisor or your team about repositioning yourself so that you are aiming towards things that you find um, enjoyable, the things that you deliver excellence. And so less time at the things that are just sucking the life out of you and more time on those things that are great. And every job, every single job has elements to it that you're like, I don't really want to work on the marketing budget. That's just part of it. And you power through and you get those things done. You're not going to you know, I'm not encouraging people to go find a job where all day long, it's just high fives and like, you know, the the greatest things ever. But I would encourage that person to look at their day and just do some reflection on what they're enjoying doing and try to get themselves working more in their strengths and with the things that energize them. That's awesome. Fear is often the leading cause of someone not following their dreams. Uh, You, and you mentioned this earlier, how would you recommend somebody lean into fear or try to move beyond fear in light of that being so gripping for a lot of people? Yes, this is such an important conversation. And I think I have two different thoughts about this this question because we did talk about this one a little bit before. And so the first one is, hey, we are going to fail. 
we are going to mess up. So almost just adopting that as a, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to drop the ball. I'm going to fail and saying, well, but I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to get stronger from that. And I'm going to develop resiliency from that. And if you go into it with, hey, I am going to mess up and things things may um, get bumpy, that just already puts that on the table as like an acceptable outcome. And then as you're taking risks and you're seeing that failure doesn't like end the world career, you can continue taking risks. And I think the other one is really so simple, but it is so powerful. And that is just articulating your fear and telling it to somebody. Because when we say what we're afraid of, lots of things happen. Um, One, we hear it out loud and we're like, hey, I think I just right-sized this thing. Like it's actually not as big of a deal when I say it out loud as it was in my head. And the other thing is we then have accountability. Like other people know that we're wrestling with this. And so we've got to do something about it. So I had worked for 20 plus years at the same organization. I knew the people, I knew the stuff. I just, I just was comfortable there. And I just loved everything about that whole chapter. And so leaving that was so scary because I knew I was going to come to an organization. I wasn't going to know anything. I wasn't going to know the stuff, the people, the acronyms, the issues, the clients. I wasn't going to know anything. And so in my mind, I was just terrified that I was going to show up at this job and have absolutely like nothing to give. And so I shared that with my husband. And just in talking through that, it's like, do you really think someone expects you on day one to, to bring all of this immediate value, Heather. I mean, it was like this just good conversation of if you hired somebody and it was their first week, what would you expect from them? Do you really want, do you think that they're going to know all of those things and have something to immediately contribute in meetings? And so saying that out loud to my husband and having him hear that and go, hey, it is scary. And think about how you would be if the, you know, she was, she was on the foot. other foot. Yeah. It was just so, so comforting and really helped dispel that fear. Wow. Well, man, you have been, oh my gosh, I could interview you for hours, literally, man. I appreciate your energy and uh, your passion. I have one final question for you that I didn't prepare you for on purpose uh, because it's a fun question that I ask, uh, that I'm asking all of our our podcast uh, guests. So maybe two or three weird, fun, or interesting facts about Heather. Weird, fun, interesting facts. Well, let's see here because there's just a lot of different directions that we could go. Um, I was the mascot in my high school. And so for lots of football games, basketball games, volleyball, games, et cetera, I had on this huge cougar outfit. And it was so funny because it took hundreds of games before I stopped smiling when parents would come to take pictures with their kids with the mascot. It's like, I would be smiling inside the head. <laughs> and so that is like a really funny memory of learning how to like, just walk up and be super sweaty and like put my arms around kids and not smile at all. Cause I didn't have yeah, to. Yeah. So being the mascot is something super random and super fun. Um, I was just visiting with my kids about that. Another super random fun thing is that, um, Oh, oh, we're recording this, aren't we? Yeah. People love to do like crazy voices and things. And so when my kids were little, I would always like read to them at night and they like fantastic voices for all the characters. And now I still like to talk in weird voices, except that I get a lot of eye rolling. So sometimes for those of us that have lunch, this is not a recording thing. I, I can share some pretty 
fantastic accents with everybody. Oh, I can't I can't wait for that day where where we could uh we can pick up on that. So, well, thank you so much for for sharing that again. I like to, I, you man, it's amazing how you're wired again. You you kind of you got the left and right brain thing going there, and uh, man, God has gifted you. And so, we're grateful for for you, Heather, and for your work and for your service. And uh, I know that your teammates, your colleagues, who all speak highly of you, when I've spoken to others. Uh, around you. You've been such a gift to your company and to others. So thank you for uh, leading with the level of kingdom leadership you do. And we really, really appreciate having you join us. And I can't wait for uh, for the world to hear uh, your voice here and hear some of your nuggets and takeaways. And this won't be our last journey. I'll definitely be pulling on you some more. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Here's one thing I do want to do before I get out of here. I actually want to do a recap of a few of the things that you shared today. Uh, so one of the things I heard you say was abandon self, abandon self, right? So, so many people who are looking for purpose, the, the contradiction in that is that they want to seek purpose, but they also want to hold on to self. And Heather, I heard you say very powerfully, one of the ways that you've been able to get to this place in life and find the joy you do on a daily basis is through your capacity of just abandoning self and resting in the care of God, knowing that God is going to carry you forward. And so I want to challenge people, very powerful thought, Heather, to abandon self. Another one I heard was, uh, and you didn't say it like this, but this is how I took the notes. I heard you say, for those people who are discouraged, uh, battling fulfillment on a daily basis, I heard you say, look for the good. And even if there are small glimpses, so what I wrote down was find glimpses of light in the dark as you search for purpose. So even if you're in a season of life where things are dark around you, you can actually find glimpses of light and then take those glimpses and try to create a snowball effect around those glimpses of light. And I heard uh, you say that. And finally, Heather, I heard you say embrace failure. And that is so interesting that you shared that because I think I, I literally failed forward. I had to fail forward in order to get out of the conditions of my childhood growing up. Again, uh, to get here, there was no schematic. There was no blueprint. So I had to always be trying new stuff, new ideas, new opportunities. Hey, you know what? I've never gone through that door before. Let me try that one. Hey, I've never gone down that road before. Let me try that one. And through that process, of course, I hit walls, I hit barriers, I've had tons of failures, but through that process, I failed to get to where I am today, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, it may sound like, like an oxymoron to others, but uh, and so, well, listen, everybody, I want to remind you of the mission of Work Faith Connection. Uh, our mission is to provide faith-based training and coaching for anyone who desires long-term employment. And by all means, if you're listening to this podcast, if you know someone who actually can benefit from our training or services, uh, we have a variety of verticals, including our accelerator, uh, which is a five-day process for those who are looking to get back into the workplace or maybe even pivot uh, from their current role. Uh, we actually have an academy that has a plethora of offering of two-hour one-off courses, conflict resolution, anger management, uh, interview skills, you name it. We've got a cadre of options for people there as well. If you know someone uh, who can benefit from our training, our services, by all means, 
have them go to our website at workfaith.org, workfaith.org. And from there, they can navigate our site and pretty much find all the resources uh, that they need in order to actually go to the next level. So thank you uh, for your time and thank you for being with us today. Thank you for your leadership. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks so much for listening to the WorkFaith Podcast. Make sure to tune in next time for more conversation around how to find fulfillment through the intersection of work and faith. Now, go make the day amazing.